From Capital Broadcasting and WREL Documentary, this is the WREL Doc Podcast. I'm Cliff Bumgardner. All season, we've been talking about wicked weather, telling the stories of storms that forever changed lives and made history in North Carolina. This week, we're covering a hurricane which, for me, it's very close to home. It was the first I ever experienced, and no matter how many have come and gone since, none have left their mark on my memory quite like Fran. And then all of a sudden I heard, boom. Oh my God. And then, crackle, boom. Boom, a tree hit here, a tree hit, I could hear it on the right side of the house, the left side of the house. This is trees, trees, and more trees. When Fran hit in 1996, my family and I had just moved into a new house in Garner, North Carolina, outside of Raleigh. I had a dog and a freshly built swing set I was very proud of. Problem was, our new house was surrounded by trees, big pines that like to catch the wind even on normal days. And Fran was anything but normal. When my parents told me it was coming, my young mind filled with worry for my precious swing set so perilously positioned beneath those swaying pines, which snapped and fell throughout the night, hitting the roof and practically ripping the deck clean off our house. When morning came, our neighborhood looked like a war zone. The whine of chainsaws and the scent of gas filled the air. But to my delight, my swing set was untouched. What I didn't yet know, and what I wouldn't understand for a while, was just how lucky my family and I had been. Fran was one of the most dangerous and deadly storms in North Carolina history. More than two dozen people lost their lives. Thousands more were out of power, some for weeks on end. For me, and I'm sure for many others who experienced it, when you say the word hurricane, Fran is what comes to mind. 20 years later, the WREL doc unit produced a piece looking back at the history-making storm. The documentary originally aired on September 1st, 2016. It's hosted by Bill Leslie. Enjoy. The red flags are rippling on the coast as Hurricane Fran picks up speed and takes aim at North Carolina. It's really bearing down now, and it looks like within two or three hours, this thing will be on the coast. The National Weather Service is concerned that we could have it even have hurricane force wind gusts here in the Triangle. So it's going to be a long, busy night. And Greg, you have some new information just in? Yeah, we've already had some flood warnings. We just lost power here. in this country and we're going forward we're not turning back august 23rd 1996 president bill clinton is running for re-election they've got a very good record overall so is north carolina governor jim hunt people were dancing to the macarena and 10 cup was a box office hit Out in the Atlantic, a tropical depression is forming off Africa's west coast. 
Fran started as a depression way out near the Cape Verde Islands on August 23rd, took several days to become a tropical storm on the 28th, and then one day later, a hurricane on the 29th. How would you characterize Hurricane Fran? As one of the most severe weather events that I've witnessed in the time that I've been here. Hey, Cliff here. Just for clarity, that is the voice of Greg Fischel, WRAL-TV's chief meteorologist. As Fran barrels closer to the U.S., North Carolina's Division of Emergency Management readies for a familiar exercise. Surfers are enjoying more heavy surf, and some visitors are making the most of a late summer vacation. Makes me nervous. You know, there's, there's a, lot, a lot at stake here. The early projections were that it was going to strike South Carolina, some, somewhere around Myrtle Beach. That is Jay Barnes, a noted hurricane historian and author. But in the hours before landfall, Hurricane Fran slipped a little bit farther up the coast. It's headed for Cape Fear, and it's less than 80 miles from there now. The wind's already gusting to 115 miles an hour with 31-foot seas and the pressure crashing. You won't find much open in downtown Wilmington, just a lot of boarded up, taped up businesses. All the roads leading over to the coast are closed. No one can get to the beach until the storm has passed. And even in the triangle, we could have hurricane force wind gusts later this evening. The eye of the storm is still about two and a half to three hours away. But all of a sudden, the winds have kicked up to 75 to 80 miles an hour. I can remember what it felt like, the stinging of the rain and the power of the wind. That is the voice of David Crabtree, a WRAL-TV news anchor. The storm is here. I've, of course, declared a state of emergency for every county in North Carolina the first time in history. Several airlines have canceled flights from RDU. We did have a peak wind gust here at the television station of 71 miles per hour. My wife called me at midnight and said, have you actually stepped outside to see how bad this is? And I said, no, I haven't. And she said, you need to do that. You know, it's one thing to sit into the office and look at data, but you get out here and experience this, and this is nothing to play with. Then my glasses blew off and went down the stairway to the gardens. There's a lot of standing water around. We've even got water in the basement here at the station. My shoes would fill up with water, not because I was stepping in a puddle, but because the wind was driving the rain in that little slot there. Was that the wildest night you've ever experienced? It certainly ranks up there. Also have a report of a fatality uh, of an emergency worker in northern Durham County when a tree fell on an emergency vehicle. And the center of the storm looks like to be right at the Johnston Wake County line. And of course we're having to... That would be a pretty strong wind <laughs> gust right there. Man. Hard to hang on in this. And then all of a sudden I heard boom. God. And then crackle, boom. Boom. A tree hit here. A tree hit. I could hear it on the right side of the house, the left side of the house. This is trees, trees, and more trees. These are the voices of Dwight and Jackie Stroud. They are Raleigh residents from the time of the storm. It was frightening for us. It was. Very frightening. I kept hearing boom. And trees popping. Then I would hear something pop. And then I would hear. Boom! I never did sleep because I heard too much popping and boom and popping and boom. Trees blocked roads at nearly every turn near the NC State campus, and getting behind the wheel meant literally taking your life into your own hands. Whoa! Man, look at that. 
The ground has been so saturated with all the rain that we've had the past few days that these wind gusts that we're now getting and all this additional rain is just toppling these trees over and causing a lot of damage. I just remember how difficult it was to travel around. The roads were flooded, bridges were washed down, trees down everywhere. Trees were every turn that we tried to make. This is the voice of Deborah Morgan, WRAL-TV News Anchor. The trees also knocked down power lines and all that debris made driving treacherous. I lost 14 trees in my own yard. In fact, two fell on my house here. There were so many down in our neighborhood, I couldn't drive out and get into the station to do the morning news. So I walked a quarter mile and met photographer Jay Jennings, who gave me a ride in. And we've had nine fatalities in North Carolina because of this storm, and most of those are directly related to traffic problems, dealing with falling trees. Even though the forecast track had projected that it was going to be turning more inland, um, I think a lot of people didn't quite put two and two together to understand that uh, the Triangle area was going to get hit as hard as it did. It's been a rough night. Let me tell you. First I've seen. Greg, were you surprised by the impact of Fran? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I did not expect the landscape to look anything like it did uh, the next uh, the next morning. So when daylight finally did come, oh boy, I opened the front door. I go, Dwight, I'm screaming, Dwight. Chris, y'all need to get up. Y'all need to get up. You need to come and see. You need to come and see. First thing, I couldn't figure how we're going to get the cars out the driveway. We couldn't get What are we going to do, you know? You know, we couldn't, we, we couldn't even open the door. Okay, are you still without power? Our best estimate is that we have about 670,000 customers out throughout our service area, out of uh, a total of 1.1 million customers that we serve. France probably the worst we've had. Barry Knox was a lineman for Carolina Power and Light, dealing with the largest power outage in state history. Man, just getting around, that was the biggest thing. He was among 7,000 people working to restore power. Linemen, tree crews, support staff. Crews came from other states to help. Working probably 18-hour days, 6 in the morning to 12 at night. Gonna get about five, six hours and come back and start again. My own personal power was out for five days and I couldn't get my own lights on, so. <laughs> for his efforts, Knox was recognized as the News and Observer's Tar Heel of the Week. For some of us, we won't see power for a week. Everywhere there's huge lines, so. And I'm below E, so I have to have some gas. Gas lines formed at the stations that still had power. Long lines formed as people waited to get just one bag and bagged ice became a precious commodity too as people tried to keep their food from spoiling. Flooding, estimates between six to 10 inches of rain across the area. We experienced um, record rainfall. The Beltline is cut by high waters. I tried to make it to work, but as you see, we're pretty well flooded. The whole area around Crabtree Valley Mall is flooded. Cars stranded, traffic stopped. The water level inside the mall was about a foot and a half. Causing only minor damage to most lower level stores, but some stores were closed for months. Neil Rudolph had only been the mall manager for a few weeks. Yeah, it was quite an experience, but uh, got great staff here. We worked through it. 
Volunteer firefighter Richard Dorsey, Ricky to his friends, died during the hurricane's assault on Durham County. Damage and debris can't compare to Fran's biggest cost, the lives of 24 people in North Carolina, one of them a Bahama volunteer firefighter who died when a falling tree hit the truck he was in while he was responding to a call. It's a family and we'd lost a family member so it was it was devastating to everybody in the fire department, even the community, because the community's tight. That is the voice of Lynn Needham, Chief of Bahama Fire and Rescue. During Fran, we found out just how tight many of our communities were. And if you ever needed friends, it certainly is this time that you need them in a disaster like this. The one thing that really sticks out for me when I went home, and then that next day when the sun came up, was how people came out to help each other. Once again, Deborah Morgan, WRAL-TV news anchor. Thank you. From delivering sandwiches to weary workers to neighbor helping neighbor right after the storm moved through. These folks have just cleared our house. <laughs> Sorry. It's Sunday, and this is the way members of Raleigh's Forest Hills Baptist Church are spending their morning worship. Wilson Laney was one of those church volunteers. People were blocked in their homes. They couldn't get out of their driveways. They couldn't get out of their street. We pretty immediately got organized and started uh, the chainsaws up and started sawing people out. Everybody in the neighborhood pulled together without exception. I mean, it, it was probably the most unifying event that has occurred since we've lived here. A lot of us just go about our independent lives and, and don't touch base with our neighbors. and. There's no real feeling of community there. And one more time, just in case you forgot, that is the voice of Greg Fischel, WRAL-TV chief meteorologist. And if anything good came out of Fran, I think there were an awful lot of neighborhoods that became a lot closer. Also heard reports earlier that Topsail took a horrible, horrible hit. The marina at Carolina Beach. Just look at what Fran has done. Fran's worst coastal damage was north of Cape Fear. Curie Beach, evidence of a strong storm surge and high winds. The intercoastal waterway was littered with boats right there at the drawbridge at Wrightsville Beach. And again, David Crabtree, WRAL-TV news anchor. We've got a 28-foot Grady White that is about 150 feet up on land now in a neighbor's yard. Everywhere we drove, we just saw either roofs ripped off, boats flung around. In that room right there, 248, when the roof came off. What was it like? It was wild. But as much damage as Fran did to Wrightsville, Carolina, and Curie Beaches, it hit Topsail Island the hardest. Topsail is lower and was hit by the strongest part of the storm. Hurricane Bertha had hit Topsail about a month and a half before Fran. Topsail Island may have received the brunt of Bertha's fury. In a lot of cases, homes that were damaged in Bertha, they hadn't even had a chance to finish the repairs when Fran came through. And so Topsail really took it, uh, took it hard. And one more time, Jay Barnes, Hurricane Historian. Cottages and condos, businesses and bars, blasted from their stilted foundations and into oblivion. To see an area that had been totally submerged, uh, I had just never seen that before. I, it was hard to believe that entire island, what, 27 miles, for three hours, 
was totally submerged. This used to be all oceanfront homes here, and this is the second road. So they're gone. They're gone. The most remarkable thing to me was the fact that there really was no evidence of some of these homes, just completely gone. Fran had just taken them out to sea. That is the voice of WREL-TV news reporter Amanda Lamb. This is what a hurricane can do. Fran flattened homes like this one in North Topsail Beach. The power of a storm like that to completely obliterate homes, businesses, turn people's lives upside down. It was nothing like I'd ever seen before. The main sale restaurant is totally demolished. How is everything for you all tonight? Yeah, excellent, excellent. Stephen Pasquantonio's dad owned the mainsail. It offered ocean view dining. Totally beach casual, you know, flip flops are fine. Bertha hit it first. And we probably spent about six weeks digging sand. Fran approached the mainsail just two weeks after it reopened. We kind of looked at each other and were like, oh, here we go again. We thought it would be oh, just, just another storm and we'll dig back out of it again, but we were wrong. You're just kind of a little bit in shock. You just kind of looked and like, where did it go? Like, how did it go? How did this whole thing just disappear off uh, off the beach in less than you know 24 hours? It became pretty apparent early on that all was lost. It, it was done. There, there was going to be no rebuilding. The storm showed no mercy as it ripped the steeple off the First Baptist Church, a 126-year-old historic Wilmington landmark. Mike Queen, who's been the pastor of this church for about the past 10 years, is joining us now. And you said you all came by during the storm because you heard about the damage. And that was when I did the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, three of my buddies piled in my car and we drove down here. We got here just as the eye was passing over Wilmington. In the wind, the, the steeple began to torque back and forth, and it finally just wrenched itself loose and, and came crashing down. I mean, everybody's heartbroken. It's, uh... I cried. Uh, I love this room uh, and everything about this church, but, uh, you know, I knew it could be rebuilt, but um, it was just an amazing sight to see that rubble. This one has to be rebuilt. This is the inside of the steeple that went down. The steeple that Fran ripped off Wilmington's first Baptist church. Former pastor Mike Queen takes us inside the base of the old one to show us the new one on top. The break point was just above where we are right now. Insurance paid for the new steeple, and it's built to hold up to storms like Fran. The same kind of superstructure, but built out of steel rather than wood. The architects and engineers told me if, if this steeple comes down, we've, we've got bigger problems than a hurricane. How about you guys? What do you like about coming down the topsail? After Fran destroyed his mainsail restaurant, Stephen Pasquantonio's dad bought a new restaurant in Surf City. It's further south and further inland. It wasn't up on the beach, so he felt like he'd give it another shot uh, in the middle. A second mainsail and a second shot at his dream. But his father died of cancer soon after opening the new restaurant. 
Stephen and his brother moved back to the island to take it over. I just knew how much it meant to him to carry this on. In Bahama, a new fire station is dedicated to Ricky Dorsey, and a memorial still stands at the accident scene. Yeah, his presence is still here. And there's a new policy here, too. We've held units back during storms when we have severe storms come through until the um, storm, the threat has passed, and then we go out. And again, that is the voice of Lynn Needham, the chief of Bahama Fire and Rescue. Except when someone's life is in danger. Crabtree Valley Mall has new floodgates to protect lower level doorways. We can have the floodgates up in an hour and a half. That is the voice of Neil Rudolph. He's the executive vice president for Plaza Associates. Drainage has been improved around the mall and Crabtree Creek. This is from the National Weather Service. And the mall can monitor the creek's water level online to see if it's getting too high. Then we're locked down pretty tight and we just hang on and <laughs> until it's over. Trees on top of trees. The Strouds pay closer attention to weather forecasts. I do, I honestly do, because I, I just don't want to be caught up in that same scenario. And is just about to turn into a tropical storm. It's got and the forecasts are it's better. West and it could become tropical storm Earl within the next 48 hours. And there's no question that track forecasting has improved steadily. But there's always going to be uncertainty. Um, so is it like up over the airport now? Greg Fischel's his friend taught him lessons. He says he would have alerted people more to the risk of toppling trees from the soaked soil and asked them to pay more attention to the broader fan of Fran's impact rather than just the center's track. Still going down. We're human. Uh, there are things we know, things we don't know, things we have to learn, and sometimes through hard experiences. And that's, I think, what went on that night. Any event that they had a severe impact in our state. The State Division of Emergency Management Director says he learned a lot from Fran, too. Are we much better prepared for another Fran? I think that we are. And that is the voice of Mike Sprayberry, the director of North Carolina Emergency Management. Sprayberry responded to Fran as a National Guard member. He says deploying manpower wasn't an issue. You would get 100 soldiers, but what skill sets would they have? Now, soldiers are sorted by skill into special teams for specific tasks. Sprayberry says communication and coordination with and between local agencies is better too. And he says the National Guard doesn't need to get ready for an emergency. It's always ready. Now there is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year National Guard Joint Operations Center. It's right here in this building. Experts say our hurricanes of the 90s, birth of Fran, Dennis, and Floyd, gave our state the experience we needed to become one of the best prepared states in the nation for a big hurricane. Not if the next one comes, but when it does. It appears that we have severe overwash at Top Slough at this time. Have you ever seen anything like this? Not this bad. We were both in bed and all of a sudden the ceiling caved in and, and insulation comes into our face. Lake Wheeler overflows, sending torrents of muddy water rushing over Highway 401. I've been here for uh, some 35 years, and uh, I never thought I would uh, see anything this devastating. 
The WREL Doc Podcast is a production of WREL Documentary, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. We're produced by Shelley Leslie and yours truly, Cliff Baumgartner. Production assistance and editing by Francis Lay. Our music is by Lee Roservier and Breakmaster Cylinder. This week's episode featured the original documentary Hurricane Fran, 20 years later, produced by Clay Johnson and Jay Jennings. If you enjoy the show, consider dropping us a review and sharing with your friends. You can find all of our documentaries at WRELdocumentary.com and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, thanks for listening.